Tell somebody I'm in the right place. Amen. All right, please have a seat. We good? All right. Last night was wonderful. Sometimes we warfare. We enter in, into engagement. And, and sometimes we don't know why don't, things don't work. And we want, why doesn't it work? And we make excuses. But sometimes, sometimes, uh, we learned last night, sometimes it might be a, di- a discernment issue. It might be a discernment issue. And I may have to go handheld because I want to be free just a little bit tonight. Um, now, I heard Pastor Joshua during prayer, and I heard Brother Arnold. I heard somebody talking about going into the promised land and, and God taking you into I Did anybody hear all that? And then Pastor Joshua couldn't let it go. Before he walked over, he just, guys, can I get a handheld, please? This I'll get feedback going in front of the... let it go because that's what I'm going to talk about is going in Um, we're going to talk about going in we're not circling the mountain anymore we're going to learn how to go in and then last night I think was critical because before you can discern out you must learn to discern in that's one of the great parts of discernment and I didn't get to that slide so I'm just throwing that out there today before you can discern out accurately You must learn to discern inwardly. Jesus said that kind of thing when he said, um, before you try to get the uh, speck out of your brother's eye, the splinter, first work on the log that's in your own eye. You got a whole tree branch in your eye. And and you think you're discerning the greater problem with someone else when you have an even bigger problem. You've grown a tree. Um, So what he's talking about there is, is, is an issue of judgment and discernment. Somebody say this with me, judgment and discernment. So if Jesus addresses your perception of a a, a life-altering issue with someone else, as and you see it as a splinter, and you, you're gonna go work on it, you're gonna help them out, right? But it's a it's a judgment, it's a judgment, it's a discernment that you have arrived at, and in that discerning, by the Spirit, of course, um, they need your help to deal with it. But what you forgot is the real thing that you failed to discern, which is something even greater in ability to alter life, which is a log in your own eye. If you were to hold, if I was to put a log on the uh, on the platform and to put a splinter beside it. Would you see the splinter? None of us would see the splinter. So he's saying the capacity for accurate judgment is in discernment. And in order to see out accurately, we've got to dis- learn how to see within accurately. And that takes a crucifixion. That takes a death. And, and many believers aren't aren't um, used to that level of death, but it's required because we walk with the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. And now in him, there's no darkness, right? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, 
peace, and joy in a person. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the third member of the triunity, the trinity, the third member of the Godhead. The kingdom of heaven is, finish this for me, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is he a person? Right? So, and Jesus said, I, I, I'm going away, but I'll pray to the Father. He'll send you the comforter. And he's going to be with you as a paraclete, a comforter. I send you a comforter. And he, Holy Ghost, is going to lead you, guide you, teach you, bring things to your remembrance. So Holy Ghost as a person can think, talk, bring things to your remembrance, operate as God in the earth while God the Son is gone. Can you hear me? And so as a person, our ability to navigate this life is critically based in our ability to discern and walk with Holy Spirit. Right? Now, discerning inwardly is going to cause me to have a determinate identification. Determinate means fixed identification of what's good and what's evil. To know the difference between what's good and what's evil. And when we are addressing good and evil, I'm going to say that some of the greater battles we've lost is because we have not identified the greater evil. Some believers confuse me. They say that they say there's no sin greater than another sin. I said, well, that's not true, but you can believe it. Right. How many have ever had said that to someone before or heard someone say? Right. And, and I got to be honest, I used to say stuff like that, too. So I've said that type of stuff before. But then when I was reading the Bible one day, come on, is anybody honest enough to say you probably have said something like that before or probably said that? Has anybody said that recently? You have. You said, okay, thank you. Thanks. I, 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 have you said it recently? All right. Now, all sin is sin, and all sin is iniquity, and all sin, all sin, no matter how great, how small, caused the death of Jesus. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's missing the mark. But according to Jesus, when Pilate was going to crucify, was, was saying, do you know who I am? Do you know what authority I have? Do you know what power I have? When Pilate said that, Jesus said, you could have no power at all against me unless it was given to you by my father. However, he that turned me over to you has the greater sin. That's a quote. Jesus said, who, the person who turned me over to you has the greater sin. So that says there are greater sins and there are lesser sins. According to Jesus, according to Jesus, there are some sins that are, are, are venial. There, okay, according to Jesus' teaching, there are some sins that will get you a discipline. But there are some sins that will get you canceled. All manner of sin and Matthew 12, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven to the sons of men. How many of you have read that? In Matthew 12, Jesus said all manner of sin, all of it, and blasphemy. So he, all of a sudden, he goes from sin to categorizing blasphemy. He said all manner of sin and blasphemy. So blasphemy is sin, but it's a different kind of sin. This is a cancel. You talk about cancel culture. This is a real canceling sin. All men of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven to the sons of men. However, Jesus said, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. So he said, he that blasphemes against the son, Jesus, can be forgiven. 
The Bible, Jesus said it with his own mouth. Whoever blasphemes against my name, you, you can cuss Jesus out, talk crazy, up one side, down the other. And if you repent with all of your heart, Jesus said, you can be forgiven against blasphemy of the Son. But who is the Holy Ghost that if you blaspheme against him, it's over forever? Jesus said, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Ghost shall never be forgiven. And then here's Jesus' quote, in this life or the next. So who is the Holy Ghost that if you step over into that realm of blasphemy, it's over forever. You can be forgiven of blasphemy against the Father. You can be forgiven of blasphemy against the Son. If you can, people blaspheme God the Father and get forgiveness. But don't mess around with, somebody say Holy Ghost. Don't mess around with Holy Ghost. He said, whoever baptizes, whoever uh, blasphemes against the Holy Ghost shall never be, never in this life or the next. You want to walk slowly away from that door. And any fool dealing with that door, talking carelessly, you want to walk away from that door. And don't, 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 don't listen, don't let someone get you caught up in something you really don't understand. And, and blasphemy against the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you said bleep, 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 bleep against the Holy Ghost. It's a wholly different, different meaning. The context Jesus gave about it, I'll, maybe I'll teach on it at another time. But it's a dangerous realm. And believers end up in the borderline blasphemy against the Holy Ghost all the time and don't know it. They're standing at the door of eternity on borderline blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and don't know it. According to Jesus, someone say Jesus said it. If you blaspheme against the Father, you can be forgiven. If you blaspheme against the Son, he that blasphemes against the Son can be forgiven, Matthew 12. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Ghost shall never be forgiven in this life or the next. Now, that is some serious stuff that Jesus said. So all blasphemy sin is sin, but there are greater blasphemy sins. So does that say that all sins are equal or all sins are not equal? All sins are sin, but all sins are not equal. So if someone ever says, you know, girl, uh, uh, all sins are equal in God's sight. No, they ain't. There's some sins you better stay all the way away from. There's another in this realm. Of understanding, the adversary plays games in the margins of our understanding. He's playing games where? It's the gray area. It's the area where, where our minds aren't situated solidly in the word of God. And that's where we as a nation are. That's where we as a nation of believers are. We're playing games in the margin. And what's a margin to us is not a margin to God. Does that make sense to somebody? We, we're, we're dealing with sins that are mortal. We're dealing with sins that are unforgivable. We're dealing with arenas that we really haven't been sufficiently taught in. And, and blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, according to Jesus' teaching, is when something is of God, but through your pride you say it's not God, you say it's the devil. Jesus cast out devils, and he said, if I cast out devils by the Holy Ghost, and he introduced the Holy Ghost to him. If Jesus brings up the Holy Ghost, stop and pay attention. Can you hear me? Because if he brings up the Holy Ghost, your response to what he brings up becomes critical. Can you hear me? So they said, this man casts out devils only by the power of the devil. And Jesus said, what? If I cast out demons by the power of the devil, then by, by, by who do your children cast them out? 
if Satan's house is divided against itself, what did Jesus say? Yeah, y'all with me now. Come on. It can't stand. He said, but if I cast out devils by the finger of God, and in another place it says by the spirit of God. So the spirit of God is the finger of God. He said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, so who's doing the work? Oh, no, no, don't. You said God. Now you do general. Okay. He said, if I cast out devils by the spirit. This was so important. John said, I saw the Holy Ghost come down on Jesus. And Jesus is led by the spirit to deal with the devil and the temptation. Jesus did works by the spirit. Jesus heard from the father by the spirit for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that anointing that comes from the spirit of life. Is what causes me to do what I do. So he breaks it down for them. And they said, well, this fellow cast out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus took a step back and introduced the Holy Ghost. At that moment, that became an eternity-altering moment. Because Jesus introduced the Holy Ghost. They said, oh, you, and they're saying this to people. This is the devil doing the works through this man. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come to you. When the Spirit comes, he said the, okay, you're not listening to me. Jesus, oh, yes, you are, you're listening. Soak it up. You're listening and you're getting it. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. So Jesus said, when the spirit shows up, what shows up? Someone say the kingdom and the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the whole kingdom showed up. If you blaspheme the one that the kingdom is in, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Can you hear me? The kingdom's in a person. Come on, somebody. Name some place that the Spirit of God is not. There is no place that he is not. He's in all things, before all things, above all things. He's in you all and through all. Listen, God's in hell. The spirit of God is everywhere. He's in hell, but can't be touched with hell. He's in the mind of the reprobate, but can't be touched by the mind of the reprobate. The very spirit of his voice holds all things together. To suggest that there's a place that he's not is to say that there's a place that he lacks authority. Universal containment is in him. There's no place that's outside of him. Y'all with me? You're following me. So who is this God that we serve? That's everywhere. That's why we call him omnipresent. He's everywhere. Come on. The Bible says he knew their thoughts. How do you know their thoughts if he wasn't in their mind? But he's able to separate how much of what's in you touches him. He even knows what the devil's going to do before he does it. Come on, somebody. That's, how does he know it if he's not in there? Look, God's looking around. Uh, Xavier on X-Men, not the only one who can do, get in somebody's mind. Now, let me move on. This is not, let me get to my, what we're going to talk about today. So, when we talk about discernment, 
Thank you, babe. We talk about discernment and we talk about realm breaking. We talk about realm breaking. We're, we're going down this particular road today, becoming realm breakers and realm makers by defeating JL. Becoming realm breakers and realm makers by defeating JL. Now, remember, this is a discernment issue. Can, can you hear me? This is a discernment issue. So uh, who brought some appetite today? You, you got some appetite. All right. I, I brought my appetite. It's not even lunchtime. All right. So while the guys get this up, let's look at the ideologic, the, well, the ideologic of entering into new places and entering into new spaces, entering into new places, entering into new spaces. Now, and, and sometimes we call that, uh, that's a, that's a type of, of, of uh, expansion. But if we're going to become realm breakers and realm makers, we've got to defeat the primary. And here's where it gets a little dicey and it gets a little deep. It's going to get deep real fast today because pastor asked me to address something. And I said, OK, dang, how do you address that without getting deep? So anybody bring your waiters? I'm a fisherman. I wear waiters. I, I promise it's not going to make your mind hurt, but it will make your spirit grow. Okay, y'all ready for it? All right, because we're talking about, now what did we start off talking about? Make sure we're tracking on the same page. What do we start off talking about today? That D word, discernment, right? And learning to discern inner so that you can accurately discern outwardly, right? And when doing that, there's a kingdom that we may be calling evil that's really, and a kingdom we may be calling good that's really that's today that's society today they're walking on areas that are so critically dangerous and volatile in the realm of the spirit but they don't understand it they're one door for where they're one step away from the realm of sin that jesus identified let me show you how i've already said all right according to jesus let me give a little context because when you defeat jl that's up here when you learn to defeat JL, there's seven of them, but I want to just point deal with two today. When you learn to de defeat JL, you have to learn the greater aspects of warfare. You've, we must learn the greater aspects of warfare. And in the greater aspects of warfare, you go into a battle. They're going to use the high art of sophistry as their primary weapon. Anybody got to Google a phone real quick? All right, reel it in. Who's going to be my person? Okay, Crystal, can you look up sophistry real quick? Anybody want to take a guess at what it means? That's beside Pastor Cindy and Pastor Joshua. They've been through part of the teaching. Already. Sophistry, you might want to take a guess at what it means? Uh, what did you say? Sophistry. S-O-P-H-I-S-T-R-Y. S-O-P-H-I-S-T-R-Y. Sophistry. Jezebel and Leviathan employ sophistry. All right, what is it? The deliberate use of a false argument with the intent to deceive, trick someone, or a false or untrue argument. So the use of facts and knowledge with the intent to trick you. 
to deceive you. It's where someone knows the truth, but to keep you from being right, they're going to keep arguing out of their pride because they think you're going to get the promotion and they're not. They're going to undermine you. Have you ever been right in an argument and you proved it? And in order to back you up, the person went, uh, went, um, went, got mad and, and went loco on you. Anybody ever do that? You see people that when they think they're going to lose the argument, all of a sudden they play the emotion card. And then they're yelling. You're like, why are you yelling? Because they always, as emotional slaves, switch to emotional manipulation to prove a point. They can't prove a point without insult. They can't prove a point without slander. They can't prove a point without bringing up something from the past way back. They can't prove a point without that. See, and you know that you're dealing with an emotional slave when the proof that they won the argument is how loud they can yell. And then they use emotional visceral, the things you can see, their look to pierce you. Why? Why does Jezebel and Leviathan use the high art of sophistry? So these men know that Jesus is the Christ. They know that he's the Messiah. But because of their pride, they, in front of others, to preserve their position, say, he's of the devil. They start accusation and slander. In other words, they're going to they're trash your name. They're going to trash you. Because they can't deal with the argument on the merits of facts. So they switch to sophistry. The use of facts and knowledge intending to deceive and distract others. It's in that very moment that Jesus introduces the idea that if you say what I'm doing is of the devil, when you really know it's of God, you're committing blasphemy. So the truth about blasphemy is knowing something's of God and in line with the word, but because of how many people you've told that lie that you thought was the truth, if you back up, they won't see you the same way they used to see you. Because they look to you for... I remember ministering one time to a, a husband and, a, a, well, two people that wanted to get married. And I began to address, she's Catholic and he's a uh, 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 Protestant. And I, and I said, well, in pre-marriage pre -mar pre counseling, I said, well, you've got some issues you're going to have to work out because. And he said, well, because you're going to have to figure out where you're going to raise these children. Oh, no, we're going to work that out. Well, they didn't listen to me. And so they got married and ended up divorced because he wanted to take his kids down to the, and she wanted to take her kids down to the Catholic. He's like, no. And then it ended up being a division. They ended up getting a divorce. But while talking to them, I began to explain um, the, the whole concept. Was, Do you pray to Mary? Well, yeah, I talked to Mary. I said, well, the Bible don't say talk to Mary. It said talk to Jesus. Show me where it says talk to Mary. And I began to explain, and I walked her through the word. And this was her response. She said, my grandmother wouldn't lie to me. Generational, right? The generational influence of the matriarch of the family was used to refute truth, even though it's blatant and evident. So people will move to what my bishop said. 
My apostle said, my, I was like, well, what does the word say? And you can show them the word on his face and they'll get mad with you. And Jesus says, the reason they're angry is because I showed them the truth. They wouldn't have sin if I hadn't spoken and shown it to them. He said, if I hadn't spoken, address it, they would have a cover for their sin. They would have plausible deniability. I didn't know. And God said, yeah, I'll have to forgive you because you really didn't know it was a 25. They, they, they took the sign down to, to do some work in the side, the, the, the road to repave this, uh, that other side. And they forgot to put the sign back up. So I guess I'm going to have to dismiss it because you really didn't know when you was going 45. I, that's plausible deniability. But Jesus said, if I hadn't come and spoke what I said to them, they would have a cover for their sin. But now, because Jesus said this, because of what I did and what I said, they have no covering for their sin. The real threat you represent is that you take away plausible deniability. That's, that's why you're really a threat. And that's why some people don't want to invite you back. And that's why a few minutes in, they want to turn it off and switch and get on another, another page. It ain't got nothing to do. It's really not about. You teaching something wrong, it might be about they don't want to deal with the inside part of them that's being shifted around because now generational idols are being exposed. Matriarchal idols are being exposed. Patriarchal idols are being exposed. Doctrinal de de deception and error is being exposed. And I'd rather not introduce, they'd rather not introduce some people to you because you're too dangerous. You're not walking in deception. My position is, Lord, whatever you want to say, say it to me. I'm not hanging on to anyone, anything, anywhere that I'll put it above you. No, 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 no. It's not like that at all. Come on. It's Jesus over person. Jesus over pigment. Jesus over every. Come on. That's how many of you say it's Jesus over everything. Jesus said, me and my words. If you are ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. If you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. So I don't. I got news for you. I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus nor his words because I don't need him looking at me sideways when I get to heaven and go. I don't want him bringing up any conversation. When he brings it up, I'm like, Lord, I heard the truth. And yep, I, and I saw where you said it, and I'm good with it. Whether I like it or not, I'm good with it. Come on, somebody. I don't care who it exposes. I'm good with it. I don't care who it justifies and who it, who, who it delivers. I am good with it. So the high art of sophistry, the other high art that, that principalities and powers use, one is using truth in a way that it deceives the common and ordinary person. Right? It deceives the common and ordinary person. Let me move on from this. All right. So in Realm Breakers, as a Realm Breaker, we make and realm breakers, there are realm breakers and realm makers. We follow a process. We follow a process. And here's a process that we follow. Number one, you've got to pierce it. You got to pierce it. Now, because you pierce something does not mean you've broken through. All you did was stick a pin through it. You pierced it. Can you hear me? Anyone ever, the door was about to close and you put your foot in there and caught it? You're not in the door. Your tip of your shoe is. 
All you did was pierce the other room. You didn't break into the other room. You with me? All right. Then, so you pierce it first. Then you break it. You break into it. And then you establish it. Once you get into that room, how many of you have cleaned the room before? <laughs> once you pierce it, once you break into it, you pierce it, you break into it, you break into the realm, then you establish it and you make it look like what you want it to look like. And you're like, I don't like the color they had these walls. I don't like the color. When you get in there, you make it look like you want it to look. Our house looks like what we want it to look like. Right? Not what you want it to look like. In fact, a lot of stuff people buy us for our home. We're like, why didn't they ask a question before they just went and bought this for? It's the ugliest thing you ever seen in your life. And they just went and bought it, expect you to like it. And then you're trying to figure out who you can give it to on the slot. And to stay in the closet until you find a, a donor. And you're, they don't even know you're giving them stuff you don't like. And as soon as you give it to them, they smile. And you go, yeah, this is so, and you're so, so thoughtful. And when you leave, they're like, what in the world were they thinking? We think about unloading. That's what we were thinking about. You heard Pastor preach on pack rats. How to how to break the cycle of being a generational pack rat? <laughs> I, that's a whole teaching. I have to come down here and how to break how to break free from being a generational pack rat. <laughs> Don't be a generational pack rat. Okay. So you establish it, you make it look like you want it to look, and then what's the next assignment that we have? You expand and you increase it. This is the pattern of God for believers. Right? We pierce it. You see it? This is the pattern of God for believers. But, but see, I, we get discouraged when we haven't overtaken the land because we just got a foot in there. And then there are times when God says, all I can allow you is a toehold. Because if you get into this highly classified, highly electrified room, and you're moving because it's highly electrified, you're moving willy-nilly, you're not understanding what room you're in, you could cause a serious problem. You could cause a nuclear meltdown like Fukushima. Right? Fukushima is... there's. There's still, from the, the nuclear meltdown of Fukushima, there's still radiation. They're trying to stop it from leaking into the ocean. That When, the, when that, that inner core melted, they, who going to go deal with that? You go deal with that. That's too highly radioactive. We don't have a suit made that's going to deal with that level coming out. And so everyone's just going to keep their distance while they try to work that out. You work that out. There are some rooms that God says, I want to bring you in, but because of the power in that room, I've got to limit your access. I've got to elevate your understanding. I've got to elevate your respect for the principles that govern movement in this room. Uh, I've been into the uh, I've been into secret. I've been into those uh, uh, places in the White House where once you go into the White House, there's some guys behind this, this clear glass and it's bulletproof. And behind that clear glass, all these guys are armed with weapons and they tell you, do not pull out your phone. Do not record anything. You cannot repeat anything that you hear inside of this room. I've been in the White House in that room. And I had to go through clearance levels, multiple clearance levels to get into that room. 
And once I was in that room, they gave me the terms for being in that room. And believe me, it's not like being at your house or my house. I don't put in any of those restrictions on anybody that comes into my house. Don't go in my bedroom, though. Right. <laughs> right. And 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 I've got some limits on what you can touch in my house. Well, you get into certain places, it's more elevated because they don't know you like that. And God says that we need to be known of him, that I might know him. Apostle Paul said, well, what's your highest request? That I might know him and the of what's in that resurrection room. So in the Bible, we have Leviathan and Jezebel. In the Bible, we have Leviathan and Jezebel. I'm only going to deal with these two. There are seven primary strongmen that defend these realms of movement. There are seven primary strongmen, but we're only going to deal with two. So this is a complex thought. Take a picture of the screen. Dimensional recognition in, is required in the art and practice of discerning dimensional activity accurately. What is what's the first dimensional what? You have to recognize that the place you're entering into is not like the place you came from. Listen, listen carefully. When the children of Israel stepped over into the promised land, the meat stopped, the, the, the manna stopped. The fire that kept them warm stopped. Certain provisions of God in the supernatural that they were addicted to for 40 years stopped. Because maturity requires ownership of intentional use of power where adolescence and getting to know God requires a certain divine enablement. In other words, God does things for you. But when you get cross over into the new realm, you have to do it. Over here, God fights your battles for you. Over there, you fight your battles. Over here, God is a fire at night to keep you warm. So the whole camp of Israel is warm. But over in the promised land, once they break over into, you have to build your own fire and cut your own firewood and cut down your own tree. Over here in the wilderness of sin, it's called the wilderness of sin, God rains food down for you every day. But when you cross over, there's no manna. It's stopped. You got to go and you got to collect your food. You've got to go fishing and you've got to go hunting and you have to raise it out of the ground. So you're not you're not planting over here because you're in transition. But when you cross over, you've received your transfer into that dimension. Into that realm and realm breakers have to learn to become realm makers. Because then you are responsible for making another realm suitable for those who follow after you. You got to leave them an inheritance. That means you build it. You bought it. You built it. You have to leave an inheritance. But you got to recognize when you've crossed over to an ownership. So God requires an onus on the economy of knowledge. God requires an onus on the economy of knowledge. There's a realm of knowledge in some places that's not required in other places. 
There's a realm of knowledge. So that's the economy of knowledge, the flow of knowledge. Economy doesn't just mean money. It means the flow of anything from one, a conduit of expression and movement. That's economy, expression and movement. And, and the, 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 the currency of heaven is knowledge. By his knowledge and his wisdom, he stretched out the heavens. By his power, he put the power to make in a word. What kind of knowledge does it take to know how to put a world? How, what, kind of, what kind of knowledge does it take for someone to put a sun inside of the words? What kind of knowledge does it take to put an S-U-N inside of words and say, light? And then a sun come out of your words. Universe. B. What kind of knowledge does it take? In the realms of those who are made in the image and likeness of God, we embrace the economy of knowledge. Because knowledge brings definition. Definition brings clarity. Can you hear me? You define what it is. Please don't sit there because that's a nursing chair. My daughter's nursing. Her 12-day-old. It's a nursing. That's where she nurses. Right? There are certain places that knowledge dictates. And brings definition. But you've got to have dimensional recognition which realm you're engaging or dimension you're engaging. Spirit realm, natural realm, physical realm, spiritual realm, natural realm. Discerning which, which realm you're engaging will cause you to know which principles to apply. But if you can't discern the dimension that's manifesting, you may be addressing something or touching something that you have no business touching. You know, the guys tried to cast out demons out of, you know, seven sons of Sceva in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. Come out. And the demon said, Jesus, we know. And Paul, we know. Was, even the demons had dimensional recognition of Paul's authority to be there. The demons in the spirit realm said, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we know, but who are you? You don't have authority to be telling us from the natural realm what to do in the spirit realm. You're out of your jurisdiction. You don't even have authority to use that name, and we can tell. You opened your mouth, and we can tell whether you have authority in this realm and dimension. Can you hear me? And some believers think because they're saved, they have authority to just do stuff. And I'm like, you over your pay grade. You stepped over your pay grade a long time ago. And you think you have the authority to sass back and just talk back and you haven't battled too much of nothing on multiple continents. So dimensional recognition is required in the art and practice of discerning dimensional activity. Someone say dimensional activity. David went to number the people and Joab said, this is not good. That's the art and practice of discerning dimensional activity. 70,000 people died 
Because David didn't discern dimensional activity. The word of God says Satan began to influence. Satan began to influence David to number the people. The Bible says that. It addresses it in two separate chapters. In one place it says David, uh, uh, Satan influenced David to number the people. In another place it said God allowed David to number the people. In the general sense, if something happened, Jews believe God allowed it to happen, so it was of God. But the other writer takes us back and pulls the veil back and said the dimensional activity was actually this. Satan came and influenced David, and he just pulled it back. David didn't discern where the thought came from. What did we learn? The three H's last night. Whether it was from heaven, head, or hell. So because David didn't discern that the thought that hit his head actually was came from hell. That the Bible says Satan was behind it. He numbered the people, and it triggered a dimensional activity release of principalities and powers. It triggered a dimensional release, and instantly the angel of the Lord was loosed in the spirit realm and came, the de destroying angel. The Bible, he's a destroying angel. One angel took out, takes out 70,000 men, and they start dropping. A plague goes through the land and they start dropping. David's like, what have I opened the door to? See, you stepped out in violation of a law. The civil leader violated a, a civil law. He made a law, go number the people. And everyone said, well, it don't matter who you vote for. I'm like, yeah, you play that game if you want to. I don't live there. It don't matter who you vote for. God don't care. I'm like, you. So yeah, yeah, tell David that. Tell the 70,000 people who did funerals that weekend. And then the angel of the Lord, the Bible says he's ready to. So, so there are laws that get God's attention. He goes, oh, you want to make a law. David, all he did was number the people. How many of you think that's a good idea for a king to do a census? Don't you as a king want to know how many people are in your... Don't you want to know how many people living in your house? So naturally, does that make sense? You got to know how many people to put on the, on the different roles and how to, you know, I'm a social security and how you can, so you can prepare as a nationalist seems like fiscal national responsibility of a leader. See, but David crossed over into witchcraft. He crossed over into solical witchcraft. And witchcraft is when you lean on the arm of the flesh. The Bible says, woe to those who lean on the arm of the flesh. Cursed is the man who leans on the arm of the flesh. What the Bible says. So when David leaned on his own ability to pull an army together, his own ability to fight, he left the boyhood place that he used to live in. God will deliver you to me. God will deliver you giant to me. God doesn't deliver with a sword and a shield. God delivers by his word. So David shifted from God dependence to human carnality. So human equations have now replaced divine enablement. Oh, you don't need my power now. Because you can do it. And God said, Leah, let me, let me step back and see how that works for you. And many believers, even in the sound of my voice, God had to take a step back and let that road run out for you. How many times? And now you say, God ain't doing that again. I am not doing that again. But 
We look at the principle here. I got to get off slide too. <laughs> we look at the principle here. The leader made a law in the civil earth. And if God feels that way about David just numbering the people, how do you think he feels about 70 million babies? Because he doesn't, hasn't done anything doesn't mean he doesn't feel some kind of way. Leaders ain't going to tell you that, but I will. Well, we're in the New Testament, Pastor. It's grace. I'm like, yeah, we're in the New Testament. And two people lied in church on Sunday morning, and they had funerals that day. In the New Testament, all they did was lie in church. They lied about their offering. And Peter said, yeah, you see, that, is that the New Testament? Is that the new age of grace? Well, what happened? See, maybe you're not at that level of accountability because your economy of knowledge is a little low. That's the only reason half the believers on the planet ain't in the United States haven't dropped dead yet. God said, you, 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 you. See, if I try some mess like that, if I try some mess like that, you, 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 it'll end real quick. And that's in the New Testament. Because so, anybody ready for a bomb? Can I drop a bomb right now? And then we'll move on because I don't want anybody in condemnation. Conviction's okay, but condemnation's not good. Here's a bomb. In the New Testament, if we willfully sin after coming to a knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Only a fearful looking to of judgment, which is going to destroy and devour God's adversaries. So in the New Testament, if we willfully sin after we come to a knowledge of the truth, what is that? The economy of knowledge in the realm of principle. See, and we've been taught to play games. God's like, I wasn't playing. I was serious. If we willfully sin after coming to a knowledge of the Truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. That is New Testament. But the hyper-grace preachers won't tell you that. I will. I will say there are some ministers that walk with God for real, and walking with them is a dangerous thing. Because your knowledge begins to elevate. Then you become a realm breaker and a realm maker on purpose. Can you hear me? All manner of sin. Now watch this. The Bible says in the New Testament, God disciplines those he loves. Is that in the New Testament? Well, why you discipline somebody? Because the principle was broken. Because one of those that God doesn't play around with said, you need to understand how important this is to me. If I vest leadership in you, I vest authority in you, I vest power in you, and you download deception then you're doing no different than the scribes and the Pharisees who were teaching people against me, thinking they were doing something. And God says that when I give you a position of authority, truth from my word, rightly balanced, is what governs the dimension you enter into and the dimensional activity you create. David created a dimensional activity by his action. Somebody say, I create dimensional activities by my actions. So on the other side of your action and my action, life and death is standing on the other side yeah. of dimensional activity and movement. Life 
And all that life is is on the other side of your movement and your words. Can somebody hear me? How many of you are still glad you came here today? So accuracy in this realm, read the screen. Accuracy in this realm, dimension, and activity. You got to be accurate of spiritual warfare and intercession is indispensable and non-negotiable if one is to wage a successful prophetic intercessory operation. Prophetic intercession, because I need the spirit of God's help to navigate me through that realm of activity because the adversary uses the high art of sophistry. With, with, with Adam and Eve, the devil said, so you, he uses a certain realm of knowledge, but he leaves some stuff out. Jesus, in the, in, the, in the wilderness of temptation, the devil says, it's written. The angels will catch you if you even stumble. But he left some stuff out. Jesus knew the principle he left out. It is written. Right? <laughs> it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You came with the scripture out of balance to move me into a principle of violation that would have canceled the matriculation to Messiahship as the Christ. And Jesus discerned the misapplication of knowledge of biblical principle and avoided that door of high realm violation of ruling precepts in God's government. Somebody here. Oh, goodness gracious, God is so good, isn't he? How many of you think it's indispensable and non-negotiable? All right, come on, let's go. The battle is not against flesh and blood. I've identified seven primary strong men, and let me give you two. There's a global strong man. You know, I may need, gentlemen, let me see how my, that 12%, I might be okay. All right, so here's the first one, a global strong man, dimensional activity, a global strong man. Somebody say global strong man. Influence of this strong man is worldwide, hence it's a global strong man, characterized by governmental distinction and movement and influence and facilitating and engineering the convergence of world systems and governments. How many of you believe we are in the last days, right? Now, how many of you also know that they've already, uh, a Sun Microchip Sensors System, Sun Microchip Systems has already created and they're already using uh, uh, chip implants in the United States. How many of you know that already, right? Now, this is a part of a global, worldwide, system of convergence that's been going on for years decades upon decades upon decades so why would i agree oh, y'all gonna help me here right in just a minute because we talk about blindness right why would i agree to help facilitate global convergence i would i would rather be pulling out of some Accords. Because the greater United Nations movement is an open hostility to Jerusalem and open hostility to Christianity. All of the nations, except for nine, voted for, for, for Israel to annex part of Israel. 
that God prophesied in Ezekiel 37 that Israel, the people of God, would come back. He would bring his people from all nations of the earth back to Jerusalem. Why would I facilitate any arm of government in the United States strengthening the tie with what God said is hastening the system that's going to destroy, demolish, and take away your rights? You're accelerating the thing that is going to deteriorate your rights. And God was warring at a much higher level than people are. The global strongman, he's moving. When I got the revelation of the global strongman, and I began to speak on the global strongman a couple of years ago, I left the country and was traveling through a foreign airport. And I picked up the cover of Time magazine and it talked about the global strongmen on the move. And when I when I taught on it, I put Mr. Putin on the cover of my PowerPoint presentation. I put it on the screen for all to see the global strongman. And I talked about the incredible wisdoms and capabilities in movement and what the ultimate plan was of different global leaders. And when I put it up on the screen, I had no idea that in a few weeks I would leave, go out of the country, and Putin's face would be right there as the global strongman. And that's, that's the title. That's what they put up there. And believers don't understand. Many don't. Some do. So governmental distinction and movement and influence. Daniel 10, 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. One in 20 days, Michael came and helped me. I remain with the prince of Persia. Daniel 10, 20 in the yellow. Then said he, do you know why I came to you? Now I will return. Somebody say fight with the prince of Persia. He said, and after I go to fight with the prince of Persia, look who's going to show up. The prince of Greece. So now he's got two enemies. Who are they? In the spirit realm. The prince of Persia. Who's talking here? Who's talking to Daniel? Gabriel. They believe Gabriel, the great messenger angel. So the great messenger angel of God is on his way to talk to Daniel. The prince of Persia grabs him. A, a high-ranking archangel holds him in hostility. Holds him in, holds him hostage. When he holds him hostage... God had to send reinforcements from the spirit realm. What battle are you in that God may have to send reinforcements from the spirit realm? What level of knowledge do you possess that you require extra reinforcements? Have you entered first? You've got to pierce it and break it dimensionally. Before you pierce it and break it naturally. All right. Let's go to the next one. The global strongman. It's a global strongman. You want to show me how to go to the next screen? Just. So. The global strongman has an... Just tap it. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, okay. 
Oh, I love it. You're going to bring me into the 21st century here. <laughs> Global strongmen are in the U.S. I want a newsflash. Approximately a third of those involved in the United States government have communist ties and are being supported by communist party. Y'all don't hear me. You're voting for senators and, 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 and all these people, and they actually have the book that tells who they are funded by. And they tell you that they're for Castro, and you don't care. They tell you they support communism, and you don't care. You, they tell you that they support the alphabet soup of preference, of sexual preference. And you don't care. Until Billy Jean, who's had assignment, reassignment surgery, is in the bathroom with your eight-year-old daughter. Now you want to act a fool. Now you want to be mad. Oh, you don't care until Billy Jean decides after reassignment surgery, that I want a box and breaks the eye socket of your, your girl that's in intramural boxing. Or enters into the sport and then outruns by three seconds every female on the field. And say, but it's still equal because I had gene suppression I had gene suppression therapy. Well, why do you need gene suppression therapy if what you're doing is natural? When people tell you what they're going to do, but you don't understand what they're doing. Then they form a whole group and say, we are socialists. We are socialist engineers. And this is what we are about to do. We're going to wreck everything you understand as your republic. You don't even see the global strong man is about to strip you of all of your rights. Because you were so willing to put pigment over principle that you couldn't see the violation. You were so willing to put pigment over principle and personality over principle. But God don't care. I assure you God cares. I gave it to you. It's your responsibility to defend it. Can somebody hear me? God is one of the God. God will say, if you don't bind it, it won't be bound. If you don't loose it, it won't be loosed. All right. Jezebel's an, another example of spiritual authority as a national strongman, a global strongman. And then we move to. National strong men, can you identify one? Exercising their will through humans. First Kings uh, 19. Look at the effects. Jezebel made Elisha run. Now, get this. She takes the life of thousands of God's prophets. They're dead. Elisha said, I'm the only one left. God, I'm the only one left. This man, Elisha. Elijah shut up the heavens with his words for three and a half years. This man, Elijah, come on, now I'm talking about Jezebel. A global strong man is one thing. 
Daniel's realm of knowledge was so high that a global strongman, they aligned to stop him. The prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, strongmen aligned. Jesus said, how can one enter into a strong, a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless you first bind the strong man, then you'll spoil his house. Strong men are on the loose because the church hasn't bound them. They've been prevailing because the church hasn't understood the high realm sophistry because we've been fighting for low realm acquisition. But the national strongmen, Elijah says, there shall not be rain except for my work. Bam, and there's no rain. Three and a half years. Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal, and they all die. He takes their heads. Isn't he the bloody man? He takes their heads off their shoulders. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You don't hear me yet. The false prophets have sat and ate at Jezebel's table. He, he, after he called fire from heaven, you stop the rain and call fire from heaven. You are a bad dude. Then you take the, the, the prophets that sit at her table and you terminate their lives and end it down by the river with the sword. Elijah wasn't a joke. And when Jezebel heard what he did, she said, the gods do some, so more to me if I don't make you as one of them. Your head's coming off your shoulders. Now, if I heard somebody had stopped the rain, called down fire, I wouldn't be messing with them. That made her mad. Jezebel does not get intimidated by you. She gets angrier. That spirit gets madder. And she said, I'm going to kill you. And he said, oh, Jezebel going to kill me. Every soldier that was sent after him, he called fire down. This man, his own record is calling down fire three times. He killed a group of 50 soldiers calling down fire. She said, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, but everybody's afraid of me. I said, but I'm not. And he said, oh, Jezebel, go get me. And he ran. And God shows up in the cave, at the cave entrance and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You're outside of the dimension and the realm of engagement that I made you for. Why have you moved to low-level living when I made you for high-level engagement? Anybody here made for high-level engagement? Anybody here made for high-level engagement? Then there will be a Jezebel that will use accusation and threats. And the results, he disqualifies himself. He commits ecclesiastical suicide, ministerial suicide, and terminates his own mantle, terminates his own calling. How many believers are doing that? Right now, hiding because you stepped out there and you got hit real hard. So you backed up, and then you're like the flea that learned how to jump so high because you don't want to hit your head. You go so far, and you stop because you're afraid of what's on the other side. But for every Elijah that walks away, God has an Elisha in the wings. Come on, Elisha, with your double anointing. Come on, Elisha.
You know how you train the flea? Go on Amazon and find my book, Understanding and Overcoming the Poverty Disease. Go on Amazon, find my book, Overcoming and Overcoming, Understanding and Overcoming the Poverty Disease. I explain the economy of intellectual poverty. The real problem is not financial poverty. It's the economy of knowledge. Ecclesiastical suicide, self-termination of mandate, calling, mission. Thank you. Jezebel uses intimidation. I'll take you to court. Preacher, if you say the wrong thing from the pulpit, I will terminate your 501c3 calling. And the people won't get a tax break. And then let's see if they still show up. They're going to go find a church where the preacher has a muzzle on his mouth because he's afraid. If he, if he stops getting that, that people stop getting that tax write-off, they have to pay more in taxes at the end of the year. And then the people say, yeah, step on out there, pastor. I want a pastor who tells it like it is. And when it's time to give, you can't be found. Because Jezebel's going to threaten you with an economic sanction. Influence. I'm going to trash your name to everybody publicly. She's going to attack you public, publicly. Then Leviathan, the third one. I said two, but let me give you three. This strong man is the ultimate catalyst. This is the Antichrist spirit. This strong man is the ultimate catalyst in progressive digression. Progressive digression. Progressively going backwards while it looks like you're going forward. And is zeitgeist in function and intent. Somebody shout zeitgeist. Now, when you deal with Leviathan, the Bible, I'll just tell you right now, this ruling power uses confusion and twisting of words. You say it one way and it'll twist it to mean something you didn't mean, something you didn't say. Leviathan, according to the word of God, the Bible says that God himself said, I am going to punish Leviathan. In that day, I'm going to punish and put down Leviathan, the great dragon, the great red dragon. I'm going to put down Leviathan. God asked Job, can you deal with Leviathan? There's no air that can pierce his scales. Air pneuma in the Greek, the pneuma cannot pierce his scales. Means that Holy Spirit can't get in there. The Bible says all men have not the spirit of God. Leviathan is antichrist, shuts down the church, restricts the church. Go to California and they say, if you are a church, you can assemble, but you can't sing. You don't know why I have to sing. You know why I have to sing? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. A dimension opens up when God lives inside the praises. But the California governor said, you can assemble, but you can't sing. Well, if I'm doing a riot outside and I'm chanting, you didn't tell them they can't speak. You didn't tell them they can't shout. You didn't tell them they couldn't get together in assembly. But yet you're going to say that to the church. 
Leviathan limits the authority and movement of the church. It's antichrist. Its laws are against the church. Why? Jezebel and Leviathan silence the prophets and the preachers. That's how you can know when they're in charge in government. You know, one, one United States government official told uh, Franklin Graham, you're not welcome at the White House. Your views do not match this administration. You are disinvited and you will not speak at the national prayer breakfast. Because someone in the administration went back almost 10 years and found Franklin Graham saying homosexuality is a sin, but God loves the sinner. So that administration, that previous administration told the preacher, you're not welcome here because your views do not match. Do you know they just disqualified 90 percent of the preachers from showing up at the White House? And yet you still don't understand. You're so blind. You don't I know you don't like me right now. Just Google it and see if what I'm saying is true. Was Franklin Graham disinvited from the White House because he said publicly homosexuality is a sin? God loves you and will forgive you. God loves this. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. How many of you have said something like that? Would you raise my raise your hand? Oh, yeah. Now, now, would you be okay being disinvited from the White House because you said it? Oh, wait a minute. You're trying to silence my God. It wasn't about me at all. That spirit was after God's voice through me. Do you really think I'm I'm if I'm if, if my God's not invited, then But the blindness, can you see the blindness now? But if I hit you in your emotions by catering to your pigment preference, I'll blind you to what I really did. I empowered Molech to take your babies. And I empowered Sodom and Gomorrah that God destroyed as a one-issue God. He destroyed a whole nation over one issue. Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities that y'all hear. People are like, well, God don't care. You won't, you won't care until your rights are gone. You won't realize that this was a, a high realm dimensional art. I know some people, they got a problem with me, but do your research. Leviathan is a zeitgeist. Somebody say, what's a zeitgeist? The zeit, it's a German word. Zeitgeist. Zeit, age, geist, ghost. It's the spirit of the age. It defines the age you're living in. And you and I are living in the age of the, the zeitgeist. He defines the spirit of the age. John, the apostle, warned us in the New Testament. He said, and now there are many antichrists in the world. And the many were working to make the world. It's like a twisting of truth. So eventually you're blind and can't see. All right. So we've got to learn to discern the scenes of Jezebel. 
and discern the activity of Leviathan? Can you tell when a strong man is moving? Because sometimes it's not easily seen. While he's trying to create, has anyone ever heard of the Bronze Age? The industrial, can you all hear me? You're talking about the spirit of the age. The spirit of, uh, they were singing it to you and black people were constantly singing it. Go, this is the age of, you remember that? They were introducing and getting you into the mantra of the new age cosmic Christ. And it rode in through your favorite group. You were singing the mantra of familiar spirits. I was too. Aquarius, Aquarius. Had no idea principalities and powers were grooming my mind to say yes to things that I should say no to. And they called it the age. They told you, but you weren't, you and I, we weren't able to discern it because we were generational pack rats. Raised and it became normal. And when that which is defiled becomes normal, you become desensitized. And you're more likely to call good and evil good because wasn't that a good song? So parade the right celebrity in front of me, and I'll forget my name. I'll abandon principle in favor of personality. Parade the right celebrity in front of people, and they will forget principle. They will forget who they are. I am a man of the most high God. You are a woman of the most high God. You are a realm breaker. You are a realm maker. You pierce realms. You break realms. You establish realms. Jesus is the ultimate strong man whose breakthrough was prophesied. Daniel 2.45. I'm just going to leave this here for a second. Jesus is the ultimate strong man. The Bible says... When, when Daniel saw a specific uh, uh, interpretation of the king's dream, he said the, that the, 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 what you saw was a stone cut out of a mountain without hands. The stone was cut out of the mountain and there were no human hands involved. That means it was divine hands. And it broke in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, and the silver. So when Nebuchadnezzar saw a huge statue of iron and brass and clay and silver, watch this. Engagement in the spirit realm was mobilized because he had this, he was seen on global levels. So he saw the transition of the empire of Caesar. He saw the transition of Alexander the Great. He saw the transition of the, uh, uh, the uh, empires that would go throughout seasons of dominance. He saw it. And he said, yeah, this is what you saw. You saw silver and you saw gold and you saw all of these great um, elements in the symbol. But it represents kings and nations who will have their time of rule. But in the end, the toes will be of clay from all the mixture, from all the different nations of the earth, that's what you saw. The dream is certain, but what he said at the end of it, 
you saw a stone come out and it struck the heel of that idol and it all fell down, meaning this is the one that God shall send as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The ultimate realm breaker came through 42 generations. He pierced the heavens and not a demon could stop him. The prince of Persia couldn't hold him like he could hold Daniel, uh, hold uh, Gabriel. The prince of Greece couldn't stop him. And Jesus didn't need Michael's help. He showed up in Mary's womb one day. He come on. He showed up as Mary's baby and not a demon in hell could stop him. Somebody give God a praise. He showed up. He was born. They loosed the spirit of legalized infanticide. They loosed the spirit of legalized infanticide. And put all the baby boys to death. Legalized baby murder. That's what tells you when a spirit is loose as a strong man. That's what tells you who's defiled in the high ranks of the land. What's whispering in their ear to get them in violation of God's high code of conduct. And they couldn't kill him. Come on, somebody say high code of conduct. Half the babies killed. And Pharaoh said, okay, trying to get to Moses. Infanticide. Half the babies killed trying to get to Jesus. And the leaders passed the law and the babies were killed. Is it because you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Is it because before I formed you in the belly, I knew you? Is it because you are made in the image of God? Is it because this generation marks the greatest movement of deliverers the world has ever known? In the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and I will do great and mighty works by their hands. The devil's trying to stop a nation of deliverers, a nation of breakers, a nation of breakers who are made to dominate those realms. God said in, in the New Testament, chapter 2, Acts, and I will do wonders in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. God said my greater movement it's going to be in the last days. No wonder the devil's trying to kill. Come on, no wonder the devil's trying to kill so many black and brown and minority babies. Oppression makes you strong. Nothing like being under the yoke of Egypt to make you come out like Joshua and Caleb, wanting nothing to do with the bondage and the oppression. Nothing like that. But when you step out, it's got to be by principle and by the word of God. Why would you take the life of a third of your generation and think that God's okay with it? You are an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Ambassadors vote the will of their king. When people do that, all they're proving is that their allegiance is a lower king's. All right, let me, let me bring that on in. Watch this. You can't bow down to your God. You must bow down to our God. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? Oh, no, we have a higher principle. Our king wouldn't take favorable to us putting a lower king's word over the higher king's word. I'm sorry, I can't help you do that. And then they said, okay, you can't pray. And he said, what? 
The Bible says men ought always to pray. And Daniel said, I can't help you with that word. You need to get that lion ready. I hope he's hungry because I can't help you with legislating that word against prayer. The moment you start attacking the principles of my God, you've attacked me because I am one with my God and my God is one with me. Can somebody give a God a praise? Can God come on, give God a real praise. I'm one with God. If I'm an ambassador, I represent the will of the one who sent me. And when you deviate from that in the greater principles and the greater sin, then I've got to let you know, like the apostle said, shall we obey God or shall we obey men? They said you can't preach to someone who is tri or LBQ mixed up. You can't preach to them because that's conversion therapy. If you try to tell them, even if they're eight years old, let me tell you something. I have a commandment from almighty God to preach the gospel to all creation. Oh, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're called to call sin, sin. And when you're word goes against the word of almighty God, I have to make a departure from you. I got to take a step back because you might be dealing with Leviathan. You might be dealing with Jezebel in the ranks. You might be dealing with Python and a global strong man. How many of you that's making sense to you? Would you give God a praise if that's making sense to you? Jesus was killed because of what he preached against civil authorities. The apostles were killed because they stood for the against those things that went against the greater precepts of the word. Anybody got ready for lunch? You're already eating. Praise God. Come on, I'm going to do three minutes and then we're going to three minutes and 30 seconds. So becoming realm breakers. After the order of Jesus, becoming realm breakers and realm makers. Whatever you bind on shall be bound. That's a realm breaker. Whatever you loose out of a realm to a realm shall be loosed. Whatever you stop in a realm from a realm shall be stopped. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you allow shall be allowed. So according to Jesus, he's vested in you the power to be a realm maker and a realm breaker. I say what it will be in the name of Jesus. How many of you declare your home shall be a home where Jesus is welcome and the glory of God floods every room in your house? Come on, somebody. Then you're a realm maker. Solomon dedicated the temple in divine order. The priests were in order. The singers were in order. The king was in order. And then the glory of God filled the temple and fire fell from heaven. It's time for fire to fall again. Come on, somebody. It's time to open up a realm to almighty God. Are you ready to walk in an open heaven? Are you ready to walk under an open heaven? Then we deal with low-level principles that are blocking the open heaven over our head. You say, well, where do you get this from? Look at Isaiah 9, 7. It reads like this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon David's kingdom, what is Jesus going to do? Order it. Wait a minute. And establish it. 
with judgment and justice henceforth and forever. Of the increase, notice Jesus' kingdom is on the, what is he trying to do with us? Make us a part of the, but in order to be a part of the increase, go to the next one. We got to deal with the seven mountains of influence. We've got to address the business realm, the government realm, the family realm, the religion realm, the media realm, the education realm, the entertainment realm. These are the top pinnacles that strong men use to shift culture. When they want to create a spirit of the age, they move to one of these mountains. This is where they work. They don't care about you. These strong men are not coming to your home unless you're like a Moses or a Joseph that's on the way. Come on. You're on the way up. Joseph is dangerous because he's on the way up. It's written over him that he's a realm breaker. It's written over him that he's a realm maker. So the devil has interest in him and doesn't mind coming to Potiphar's house to set him up to go to prison because he's a realm breaker. The devil will visit you if you're on your way. Come on. If the if, if the inscription of God written over your life is to break realms on top of the seven mountains. Come on. That's where they go. That's where they operate. Jezebel, Leviathan, uh, uh, Cobra, Python. They operate in these places. These are the primary cultural drivers. Thirty seconds is good. Go to the next one, please. We're gonna do it in thirty seconds. I believe in miracles. Number thirty-three, thirteen thirty-three, and we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. And we look like grasshoppers. It's a perspective issue. Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let's go deal with it right now. Now go to the last. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go break that realm right now. Two million people said, let's wait. Only two men were innovators who said, let's go break it. Let's go pierce it. We've already pierced it. We went in and came back with some of the fruit. Now let's go break it. And then after we break through, we're going to establish. We're going to set up camp. And we're going to let everybody know when we set up an altar to our God that this is my God's territory. So you get used to seeing a Bible in the courtroom. Get used to seeing a Bible in the classroom. Get used to seeing a Bible. Get used to seeing men of God speaking openly. These high-ranking principalities have been on assault against men of God openly in the schools and in the systems and in the universities. And God's saying, do you want it back? Do you want the realm back? And after you start establishing, do you want to get the mindset of expansion? And everyone can't go with you there. Sometimes God has to wait till you shake off some of your friends because you thought they had what it took and they didn't. They deceived you with their words. You thought they were on the same principle plane as you because y'all walked out of Egypt together. But you didn't know that the wilderness tested your departure. 
What if they what if they can't go where you go? What if the level of death in your spirit is deeper than their level of death? Paul said, I die daily. I got news for you. I'm dying from level to level. I got to die daily so I can go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And God said, Joshua and Caleb, you're going in. My delay for you, Joshua, is not denial. I had to wait for two million people to die. Because if I let them go in with you, they're going to contaminate the land. They're going to contaminate your increase. And if they fight against you all the time on the way there, they're going to fight against you all the time once you get in there. So I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing you a favor by delineating and disqualifying. So don't mourn your loss. You ought to look up and say, thank you. God may be burying bastards in your rearview mirrors, so you ought to say thank you. So it's time for believers to pierce and then break it, establish it, expand it, and you have to do it corporately. Joshua couldn't do it by himself. Caleb couldn't do it by himself. It was Joshua and have you identified your Joshua and Caleb? It's time for Believer's Connection to galvanize. Galvanize. Gal I mean, we're not talking about building it big. We're talking about piercing a realm. We're talking about piercing a realm. That's what we're talking about. Anybody really want to pierce a realm? I want to go there. Come on. Don't you want to see what's in there? Don't you want to see what's on the other side? I've seen. I've been allowed to see it. I've had the angelic visitations where they visit in broad daylight, wearing glorified robes, coming straight from the glory of God, where you can't stand in the presence of the angel of the Lord that's standing in your face and you're looking at him and he's bringing you the word of the Lord from the throne of God. I've had multiple visitations by the Lord and from the angels of the Lord. You know why? Because I pierced that realm. I attracted the activity of global strongmen a long time ago. What I'm saying to you is something real. It's how to pierce it, how to break it, and how to establish and make it. Come on, somebody. Going into your high potent caliber in the name of Jesus. I just speak over you, every one of you, those listening, those watching, that by the grace of the Lord, you accept the discipline that comes with internal discernment. That you accept the discipline that comes with internal discernment by principle in Jesus' name. Because in order to see outwardly correctly, you've got to see inwardly. And you've got to be willing to take the hard dive into the depths of your being where deception hides undetected. And it's not to a, till a, high, a higher principled word comes that your eyes open to see the deception for what it is. And then as you depart from people that you used to say yes to and affirm everything they say, oh, yeah, girl, you show right. All sin is equal. And you go, y'all know I got to depart from you on that, baby. All sin ain't equal. Yeah. All sin required the death of Jesus, but all sin ain't equal. One blasphemy will get, you can get forgiven of. But there's another blasphemy. That sin never in this life or the life to come. That's eternal. So I got to disagree with you right there. Jesus didn't teach what you're saying, even though you believe it and you think Jesus revealed that to you. So what spirit, the spirit that spoke and affirmed 
that deception can now speak to that deception and through that deception anytime it wants to. And you'll think it's the Holy Ghost. So I got to be willing to let Jesus take a deep dive in my spirit to discern on a much deeper level and separate all pigment idolatry, personality idolatry, all idolatry that exists. I want to separate it all because, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. And, Father God, thank you for showing us the teams that you're raising up. Show me my place in the team. Show my leader my place in the team. And step up to the plate and be counted. Get rid of ambivalence. Ambivalence is your enemy. Procrastination is your enemy. Some people that, that are listening to me, you've woke up more just during this teaching in the past two hours. You've woke up more than in the last five years. Uncovering years of deception and deceit at governmental levels, national levels. That has value. There's a price to pay for every realm of economy you move in. You don't know what price I paid. You have a price that you're going to pay. But praise God when you're not paying it by yourself. Look to your right or left and tell somebody you're not paying it by yourself. I'm in there with you. Come on, somebody. Going into that realm. There's a sweet spirit of God here because he's saying that realm is open for you. Going into that realm. Destiny's calling you to that realm. Oh, my God. One level of language gets you into that realm. It's another level of language that keeps you there. One level of anointing gets you to that realm. It's another level of anointing that keeps you there. Why should God give you an anointing that you're not going to use? Elisha needed the double for what he was getting ready to face. God says, I'll increase the anointing if you don't back up. And if your intent is to be popular, then you've lost already. You've got to not care how many likes you get on Facebook. You've got to, you've got to not care whether you're ever invited back again. Souls are going to hell. The Bible says hell hath enlarged itself without measure. And God put you in the way. So as one Great theologian said, my idea of evangelism is to plant a missionary outpost one yard from the gate of hell. Plant it and be clear that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was with the, uh, on the presidential grounds in Nigeria, been there multiple times. And I was meeting with the president of a different foreign country a couple of years ago, met with him twice. And on our presidential grounds, uh, right now I'm in the middle of writing a national prison reform that's being accepted and already implemented into, yeah. come on, national police yeah. reform. Yeah. National. You can give God a praise. And, and I'm saying this because, uh, and, and it, it has legislation. I, I have six components of legislation that I've written and I've already met with the senators and the congressmen and then not only do they love it, they're already looking at drafting resolution after the first of the year to take the 
Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Um, and then I wrote a, a national prison reform. A judge, a judge heard me speak during a trial, asked to meet with me privately. He said, wait a minute, give me a card. And, and that's while the judge was on the bench and I was sitting in the witness chair. And he said, how are you doing this? Will you write a prison reform? I said, well, how much time? He said, three to, I said, three to four months to write a nationwide prison reform. He said, no, I'll give you 30 days. So I sat down and my wife and one of our leaders sat down in our living room and the spirit of God came on me and I dictated an entire prison reform. Primary, give God a praise. Primary point A, subsection point B. Primary point B, subsection two. And Crystal helped work on that project. Now we've gotten an incredible amount of steam out of it. So I just listened to the call while I was in the office. Uh, one of the sheriffs over an entire county said, we're excited. We're taking you out in the police car on Friday. You're going to have a live run on an active shift. And we've got all the community, we got community leaders that are all involved. And there's now, and I just had a conversation with the mayor and our police chief, a different police chief in our city on Friday. Here's my point about police reform. They want to implement it across multiple counties and multiple cities and states now want to come on. Well, here's the point. I'm not talking about things that I'm not telling you are possible. Right. I'm actually doing where everything that we're talking about do you think, do you really think Jezebel, Leviathan, Python, Cobra, you really think they want to see nationwide prison reform, nationwide police reform, and nationwide community reform? And, and I've got to say, Pastor Cindy and I, we're working on right now, we just got a multimillionaire to back us, that any home that we want to get someone into, Texas doesn't qualify yet, but many states do, that our, our backer will buy the home for you and give you five years to pay your 20%. Any home you pick, any home you pick, you pick the home. And all you have to do is pay 5% down and we'll hold the note for you. And, and, and not only that, it doesn't stop there, but and, and give you five years to get your, get your credit straight. Give you five years to get your credit, credit straight. And so we, we entered into another agreement that said, uh, they're going to buy the home. Anyone coming out of prison, as long as you've had a job for six months, will buy the home for you up front. This is real. This is real. Glory to God. It's real. How long does it take for God to set it up? How long does it take for him to navigate and build the architecture of your mind? To handle multiple dimensions simultaneously and then pull them all together as at one time. We're on the precipice of doing something incredible and they're working to get Texas online so that we'll be able to offer the same thing throughout Texas. I said, we got to get Texas in here, but there are a few Texas things we need changed. So the network is where we train how to not only think like this, but operate out of the mind of God, the mind of Christ. This is the Joseph effect, right? Affect the economy of a nation. It's, it's the social engineering. So it's the Joseph effect. In the network, you learn how to operate like that. Join the network and make your mind up. No matter what the devil says against your mind, you're going to stay until you own it. 
and then you're going to be tested. How many of you say, Apostle, I can handle your test? Well, I may not be able to handle it, but I'll take it. All right. <laughs> I'll leave y'all alone. I thought y'all was ready. Who say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll endure the test, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take the test. Amen. Y'all going to do fine. You're going to do fine. It's time to break the realm. You can't break it without suitable knowledge. It's time to break the realm.